awesome. Welcome to Kavanaugh, your church for life. So glad that you're here and that you uh, made the choice to be in God's house today. I guarantee you God is going to speak to your heart, challenge you, and bless you in a mighty way. Wasn't last Sunday awesome? It's our Connect Day, wonderful day. 44 people joined the church last Sunday. We baptized nine. We're going to baptize one more at the end of this service today. Give God a big hand for that because it, it is awesome. I really didn't think it could get any better than last Sunday, but I'm here to tell you today is going to be a better day than even last week. I've got the four horsemen from the Free Will Baptist Foundation with us today. Give it up for the four horsemen from the foundation. These are awesome men. I love and appreciate each one of them. I'll introduce three of them right now, and the fourth is going to come and speak. David Brown is the director of Free Will Baptist Foundation. David, stand up. Let our people see you. Welcome, David, to our church. Barry Simpson's a good friend of mine. Barry works at the foundation. Give him a round of applause. Mike Wooten is here today. Mike's going to speak to us tonight. Give Mike a welcome. Thank you, Mike, for coming. And our speaker this morning is Troy Sadowski. I met Troy uh, several years ago, but this last year I was able to sit down at a Starbucks in a uh, Cincinnati airport, and he shared his testimony with me. And when he did, I thought, man, Kavanaugh has got to hear Troy's testimony. Troy played football at the University of Georgia. We will forgive him for that, all right, won't we? Won't we, Kavanaugh? We're just going to overlook that. Uh, just one blemish in his record right there. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I know there is a gloomy spirit in here today, and it's for those Oklahoma and Arkansas fans who had to endure what they saw yesterday. Uh, let me just step over here to the side and say that last night there was a resurgence in my childhood memories, and so today I just want to bless you with this blessing. I'm just blessing everyone right here with this golden blessing. Oh, you got to love it. What, what I'm digging on is this right over here. Look, y'all got, you two stand up, would you? This is, there, and I don't know, they're, they're sitting, if you don't know, Green Bay's going to get beat by Dallas today, so, uh, yes, there you go. You got to love this church, it's awesome, man, so, we, we may have counseling after the service for both of those guys. Troy Sadowski played football at the University of Georgia, and then in 1989, he went into the NFL draft. He'll tell us where he was drafted in a moment. I think it was 145, wasn't it, Troy? 145. He played NFL football for about 10 years with teams like the Atlanta Falcons. Some of y'all like the Kansas City Chiefs? Five of you do. Wonderful. He played for the New York Jets, the Cincinnati Beagles. Yeah. How about Pittsburgh Steelers? There he is, yeah, there he was. And then he finished his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Troy is a great guy. He's my dear friend. He shared his testimony, first service. It blessed and challenged my heart. Would you give Troy a big Kavanaugh welcome as he comes this morning and shares with us? Thank you, sir. When I look up there, I see the, the list of teams that I played for, and then I realize... I'd have played for all 32 of them if they'd let me. I, I've got no shame in my game. Um, when I met your pastor, I was at the Ohio Men's Retreat. And it was a really, really uh, interesting because when I, I walked in there, because I was a little bit late, and he was up and he's talking and everything, and I sat down and I asked the guy next to me, I said, hey, who is that? They said, that's, that's Pastor Will Harmon. I said, oh, that's awesome. He said, 
You know what his nickname is? I said, what? He said, holy smoke. <laughs> well, when I found out everything that he did, you know, I know the organization he's involved in, they call it SAS. There's nothing sassy about that. That is just straight up man stuff. And then when I talked to him about it, he said, I, I asked him why he decided to do all that. And he's involved in it. And he goes, because it's cool. <laughs> well, I realized that. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Uh, Pastor, thank you for the opportunity again to share. Um, the Bible is an account of God's action in this world and, it's, and his purpose with all creation. The writing of the Bible took over 16 centuries and is a work of over 40 authors. It's quite an amazing collection of 66 books, all containing the message that God desires us to have. The Bible is from God and without error, infallible. If it's in the Bible, it's truth. I believe it 100%. This is life's playbook. It gives us a roadmap for our journey, a source book for everyday living. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6.3 that in life, if we think we're something, something when we're really nothing, that we're deceived. Satan is the architect of deceit, and he's a trap artist. He can convince a young man that he has made it to the top and doesn't need anyone's help in life. A rise to the top can bring fame and fortune. You'll be flying high one moment, and moments later you'll be stuck in a tailspin, headed for ruin. I know this all firsthand because I lived it. A teenager in Atlanta, Georgia, a four-star football prospect being recruited by most of the Division I schools across the country. I signed a full athletic scholarship to play at the University of Georgia where I became a four-year starter an all-SEC and all-American tight end. Drafted 145th overall to play football in the NFL. I lasted for 10 years. The average NFL career lasts less than two years. I'm living the dream, or at least I thought I was. It all looked great on the surface, but underneath, I was a complete mess. I lost my wife, my daughters, we sold our house, and I found myself alone in a two-bedroom apartment in Woodstock, Georgia. I was nothing more than a user, loser, and abuser. It wasn't anyone's fault but my own. It was all self-inflicted. I finally hit rock bottom, and there's where I met Jesus. You're probably asking yourself, how does something like this happen? Why would our Lord and Savior allow this to happen? And the answer, I, I don't know. I don't honestly know. I don't have God's mind. I don't see with God's eyes but I do know he completely knows me and I probably won't get the answer in this world. Someday I will see with clarity and understand why. For now, it's my story that I use for God's glory. Our pride, not our intellect, keeps us from God. We go through life in solitary confinement. We're by ourselves and there's no room for anybody else. I placed myself on a pedestal. I placed myself... Uh, above others, and everybody was below me, and that included God, and I was completely wrong. Pride controlled my emotions. Pride was holding my life remote. I felt self-entitled. I felt that I was always right, and it showed in my actions. Up until I turned my life over to Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, your life is radically altered. You're transformed. It's no longer about you. It's about others, not self. Jesus showed me that uh, greatness isn't defined in game stats. 
It's not about power, prestige, or how much money you have. Jesus showed me that greatness is defined in who you choose to follow and how you serve others. Pride controlled me and was destroying my relationship with everyone. That included my family and my wife. The Lord stripped me of everything, my family, my money, my job, and my friends. Then he gave me a second chance. But he did give me precise instructions to refer to when needed, and I'm thankful for that second chance. Um, I grew up in the Atlanta area. Uh, we were a, uh, a Catholic family. Now, we weren't practicing Catholics by any means. We went to uh, holiday services and things like that. Um, now, for me, the Catholic religion was very surfacy. It was all about uh, history and tradition. Uh, there was no substance or death, uh, depth for it for me. Uh, you know, I knew about Jesus, but there was no real talk about that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And with, as far as the family and leaders of my family, uh, my dad was a functional alcoholic. He was more of a coach than he was a father. Anything that, uh, when it came to church, going to church, uh, that was our mom that motivated us. Any knowledge or anything about the Bible or uh, scripture, that came from our mom, didn't come from our dad. She was the, uh, the glue that held everything together. Now, you're going to hear me use the words fast forward. And to save for time, we're going to go ahead and fast forward in life. Now we've got a 15-year-old kid who thinks he knows everything. <laughs> Anybody ever seen one of them? <laughs> that was me. Now, I had a high school football coach. His name was Jim Cagle. Jim Cagle pursued me. I'm going to talk about four people that the Lord used in my life. These are the tear-off-the-roof type of Christians, uh, just like the ones in the book of Mark that brought their paralyzed friend to see Jesus. Anybody read that? Okay, we all know the story. Um, they brought him to see Jesus. Now, when they got there, th th there was standing room only. There's no way they could get in. So what do you think they did? Hey, man, I, I think it's incredible. They go up on the roof. They bust a hole in the roof. They lower their friend down. He meets Jesus. Jesus was so moved by their faith through their actions that something amazing happened. And that's what happened with these four people in my life. They pursued me. They were the tear-off-the-roof type of Christians. And the first one of them was Jim Cagle. And he invited me to what was called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, I turned him down for the longest time because I didn't want to go. I didn't think that I needed to be around people like that. I didn't think that I needed to hear anything about Jesus. Because remember, I'm 15 years old and I know everything at this point. But it got to the point where I did go. And the only reason I went was to, to check the box off, just to get him off my back. And I went and I listened. And this is the first time somebody presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to me and I chose to ignore it. We're gonna go ahead and fast forward a little bit in life. I'm now at the University of Georgia, a top 10 football program, might I add. I think they're currently ranked number four, aren't they? Since Oklahoma lost, now they will drop down. Now, now, now I didn't know all this stuff about the Sooners and the Sooners. Do you actually know where their name came from? 
I was really amazed. They, were, they, were, they started out years ago. They were cheaters. They left early for the land rush. <laughs> that, hence the name Sooner. We're going to leave Sooner. So every time I see, I can understand. I can understand why some of the people don't. I mean, come on, the cheaters. <laughs> All right, I got off track. Where was I? Mike, where was I? Oh, I'm at the University of Georgia. Okay. Now I'm thrust into a program and onto a college campus that was really overwhelming. Uh, and Satan makes things look really, really good. And he did. And I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. I got involved in all the stuff on campus and off of campus. And that included the parties, the drinking, the drugs, the women, everything. All of the above is what I got involved in. And, Satan. and I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I truly thought that I was the big man on campus uh, walking around, um, and that's how I carried myself. Now, back then, that's when the coaches were actually able to uh, spend time with the players off the field. Now they look at it as improper benefits, and they can't do that. But back then, our position coach, his name was Charlie Whittemore, he was able to invite us to his house for cookouts, Bible studies, uh, Sunday school. We could go to church with him. We could do all that stuff. And and he did that. I'm so thankful that he did and opened up his family to us because we're away from our families and it made us really feel like a part of their family. And we used to do that. And here's the second time that the gospel of Jesus Christ was presented to me. And, and I chose to ignore it because remember, now I'm 10 feet tall. I'm bulletproof. I'm the big man on campus. At least I thought I was. I didn't need Jesus in my life. Everything was fantastic. Now we're going to go ahead and fast forward. I'm now in the NFL, and I'm playing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Some of you might hear that they used to be called the Cincinnati Bungles because we weren't very good. But here I am playing football and television, making lots of money. Everything's fantastic. My on-the-field life is awesome. It's off the charts awesome. But my off-the-field now was starting to catch up to me. The things that I was doing in life finally had caught up to me. Uh, we had a West Coast game. Uh, we made that trip out to the West Coast. I played the game. And when I got back, my wife had gone home to Atlanta and taken our two daughters. And they went back home to see family. So uh, I was contacting them Monday night because Tuesday was their day off. And I was going to pick them up from the airport. Uh, so when I called my wife and asked her what time the flight came in, she said, I'm not, we're not coming back. And she went on at that point to tell me why she wasn't coming back. And, and what do you think uh, I did at that point? Now, I, I mean, the, I'm, I'm the testosterone-filled professional athlete. I got angry and started pointing the fingers. But it wasn't anybody's fault but my own. I was the one that was the problem. It wasn't them. It was everything that I was involved in. Now, at that time, I had some incredible teammates. One of them's name was Ken Moyer. He was an offensive lineman. There was a quarterback by the name of David Klingler, and there was a kicker, Doug Pelfrey. And Mike and I always have arguments about kickers. He says they're athletes. I say they're not. <laughs> how, many, how, how many people have ever had that conversation? <laughs> it's just like NASCAR drivers. Are they athletes? <laughs> I don't know. We could have that argument. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Mike was the kicker on his team. <laughs> Isn't it great when you're up here and you have a microphone and his is turned off? I, I get full run. Now, when he gets to come up and talk, I got to watch out. Um, but they came up to me and they sat down. And uh, one of the things you do when, 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 when somebody's hurting, and this is what I did, I put on a costume. I put on a mask. And it always had a happy face on it. Underneath, I was a mess. I was a disaster and headed for hell. But I would put my mask on and play like everything was, going, everything was fine. Well, they came up and they sat down and they looked at me and they said, are you okay? I said, man, this is great. This is awesome. And they looked at me and they said, no, are you okay? See, they could see through the facade, the, the costume, the, the mask that I had on, and they could see the hurt that was going on. They invited me. We went out to dinner. We talked. Uh, I started going to men's prayer groups and breakfasts and uh, Bible studies, and this is the third time that uh, the Lord used somebody. And you would think at that point that I'd hit rock bottom, but I wasn't done, and I chose to ignore for a third time. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that God was sitting on his heavenly throne, shaking his head, saying, when in the world is this dude going to get this? One of the things that I am so thankful for is that we, we're the object of his love. We always have been and we always will be. And not one time did he ever give up. He continued to send people in my life. And the fourth person was a gentleman by the name of Buddy Harris. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Buddy. Buddy was a professional wrestler. Oh, hold on a second. He was a professional wrestler. <laughs> See, that even in the morning service, they had to do, they, we had to do the same thing. I figured if this is the contemporary service, that y'all were going to be a little bit more hip. That's why I wanted to jump up here and start out with a wave, but I thought that would be too much. But Buddy Harris was a wrestler. Now, he wrestled in the WCW, and what his, he was, his name was the Patriot, and he wore a mask. And if you ever saw Buddy, you'd understand why he wore a mask. <laughs> but he wrestled with another tag team partner, and his tag team partner's name was Marcus Bagwell. Marcus Alexander Bagwell, his name was Buff Bagwell, and their wrestling tag team was called Stars and Stripes. And Buddy had invited me to come play the men's softball league. And I used to make fun of Mike because Mike is very active in his men's softball league. And I used to make fun of him because I always thought it was just old guys that couldn't give up their youth and that they're there trying to really live their lives through the softball league. And I was completely wrong because when I got there, I had the most incredible experience that I've ever had because these guys were asking me questions about Troy Sadowski, the person not Troy Sadowski, the athlete. And I wasn't used to that. It was really amazing. They were loving on me. They were talking about they, they were investing time in me because they understood it's about others. And they invited me to church, Sunday school. And, and I went, and I went to, it was the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, and they had a preacher by the name of Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt is, uh, I don't know if anybody knows Johnny Hunt, but Johnny Hunt, uh, he's about five foot nine. Now, he tells me he's six foot four. He's just wound real tight. 
And after knowing him for as long as I have, I can agree with that. But he's a little Lumbee Indian preacher, and he is on fire for God. And I went and I heard him, and I heard him four times. And the first time that I ever heard him, my first time ever in a, in a church like that, they had this thing called the invitation at the end. And I sat there, and I'm looking, and I'm going, man, why would anybody get up and walk down the aisle? All that's going to do is just highlight them and just show the whole world that they've got problems in their lives. And I don't want that focus and that attention on me. So why would anybody do that? I was completely wrong. Now that I know, that, that was the walk of glory. That's not the walk of shame. It's okay that if you have problems in life, it's okay. The fourth time I heard Pastor Johnny, I got up. I had this most incredible pull and this feeling in my stomach. I walked down. I looked at him. I said, Pastor, you don't know me and, and I don't know you, but I've got this feeling in my gut that you have something for me. And he said, you're absolutely right. He looked over at an altar counselor whose name was Vic Smith. Vic Smith is about six foot eight, 325 pounds, one of the most humble, gentle, godly men that I've ever met. We went back in his office. We talked. We laughed. We cried and we prayed. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I give it all the glory to God. Uh, I gave him every opportunity to quit on me, to, to turn his back on me, and he never did. He continued to send these people into my life and pursue me, and I am so thankful for that. And that's one of my challenges to y'all, because it was a simple invitation to an FCA event, a simple invitation to a men's group, a simple invitation to Sunday school or to church. That's all it takes. Folks, we just need to get them here. We need to get him here and let the word of God take over at that point. Now, here I am. I'm a new saved baby Christian, aren't I? I'm excited. It was awesome. And I got my Bible. I got my study Bible. I got my notes. I'm doing all my stuff. I'm over here on my little one-man Super Bowl parade. I got my championship ring now and everything's fine and dandy. And I can go on with life. Wrong. You have to work at this Christian thing. And, and, it, and, it, and it got me really quickly. Because I, I always thought everything's going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull my guitar out. I'm going to hang out with my friends. And we're going to sing Kumbaya around the, uh, the, the fire. It wasn't that way. I have been through some of the toughest trials in my life as a Christian. I've had a battle with cancer. Praise God that I can stand up here and tell you that was over 10 years ago. And I'm cancer free. I've... I had an ex-wife. I, I did get divorced, so I had to go through divorce. Uh, after that divorce, I had an ex-wife pass away from breast cancer. Uh, my kids came to live at my house at that point before uh, I, I saw them, you know, maybe 60, 40, 70, 30 when it came to that. Uh, but now they're in our house. My family dynamics start to change. Uh, I, I got married, remarried, have an incredible a uh, godly woman in my life who's been an, uh, a great accountability partner, a great helper, 
Uh, and if you look at her in my phone, when her name calls up, when she calls me, it, her, her, she's my smoking hot wife. And she is. <laughs> I've had my ex-in-law sue me for custody of my kids. Uh, they said that we were emotionally and mentally abusing them. I had Department of, Department of Family and Child Services going through our house. So there are trials and tribulations. There are things. My pastor always says that we're going to go through storms. So you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into one. And I truly understand that. But we have the assurance that we're not doing it alone. Before, I always thought I was on my own. And now I, I understand he's with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And it is just an awesome feeling now to know that I've got a friend. And my pastor always says this, what a friend we have in Jesus. And it's truly amazing. Now, um, I have people ask me all the time what... Uh, you know, do you have any regrets? And um, I know some of y'all, have you ever seen that Milky Way commercial, the regerts? <laughs> the tattoo that they put on there that says regerts? Uh, regrets. And uh, I can honestly tell you, yeah, I do have one regret. But I've realized that God's time is perfect, and it wasn't my time. But I wish that I could have gone back to when I was 15 years old at that Fellowship of Christian Athletes event, the first time that somebody presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to me, that I would have accepted Christ then. Because what a platform that I did have that God provided me, that I could have taken advantage of that, and all the people, the ripple effect, and how many people could I have reached. But again, God's timing's perfect, and it wasn't my time. Now, at the age of 31, it is my time. And yes, I will be held accountable uh, and I am so thankful for the opportunities that I get. And Pastor, thank you for allowing me this opportunity uh, two times in one day to share with y'all uh, what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Love you, man. Bless you, buddy. Love you, man. Someone in this room needs to come and accept Jesus today. Let this be your day. There may be someone in the room that uh, you're a Christian, but you're so far from God. Would you come home today? Those of us who are carrying burdens and worries and cares, best place to leave those are at the altar. I guarantee you, God has brought people into our life like Troy was when he was 15, when he was a college student, and an NFL player who needs the Lord. God's brought those people into our life. So let's be <laughs> a light to them. You come to the altar this morning and pray for the person you're supposed to lead to Jesus. Heavenly